Hey everybody, this is Brent Ingersoll and you are listening to the Speaking Of podcast. Today, my guest is a guy named Rich Birch. He runs the Unseminary podcast and the Unseminary website where he helps church leaders navigate all the questions of leading and growing the church in today's culture and society. He's becoming a friend of mine. He has so much insight on the church and on how to navigate the times. And we talk specifically about how do we deal with the church in these times of crisis, specifically with the COVID crisis. We have an interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Rich Birch. I really appreciate you, Rich, being on my uh, my little startup podcast here. Oh, no, it's um, great, man. It's so good. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. I'm, I'm glad. And, and I want to talk to you. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think back to what you were with us here at King's Church, came up, did some consulting and helped <laughs> us uh, just think through some things. Was that this year? I th- yeah, it was like w- like five months ago, which feels like 10 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crazy. It's wild. It feels like a lifetime ago. And it was just this winter. <laughs> so true. So that you true. were here. In fact, like we were already hoping for spring at that point. I think you're like late February, yeah. maybe or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It was it was right before all this went this started, which is or the coronavirus stuff started. And so yeah, it's been cra- what a crazy year. It's been unbelievable. But it was fun be- being there. I loved getting to meet your team and and seeing the good things that God's doing at Kings. That you know, obviously I've heard about the church, but it was fun getting a chance to kind of see it up close. So uh, yeah, I was excited to be there. Man, you were a huge blessing, and the the, the team still talks about you. So. You left a you <laughs> well, left a positive good. positive mark. No, it's just, it was it was nice. Maybe it's the it's the Canadian in you, but like you came as a wellspring of knowledge, but you didn't act like a know it all. Like you had this great, <laughs> you had this grace, so like everyone would listen to you. So yeah, was, that's fun. That's was, fun. It was good, but you know, I want I wanted to talk to you. Just like I want to talk to you about. Okay, well, you, you just said it in the. It feels like ten years ago, and I don't know if you yeah. saw that. I don't know if you saw that New York Times article. I don't know, it came out maybe, maybe a week or two ago, maybe longer now. But uh, again, time is just weird. Um, but even <laughs> in it, the, the, the journalist, he says, you know, it feels like this year is taking forever on the one mm-hmm. hand, but in actuality, it's speeding everything up. And Absolutely. Like everything yeah. is just like, you know, and, he, and basically, I think, I think the title of the article was like waking up in 2030. That like, right. it, we're watching a decade of, transformation happened basically in in months very quickly and yeah, absolutely. you know his, his whole point he doesn't i mean doesn't really reference the church per se or christianity in any way but you know the fact that we're all dealing with the reality of the landscape mm-hmm. is changing and man i thought it'd be awesome just to you know to be able to, to to talk to you you know not just as a christian but as a church leader sure. and and get your like your gut and your two cents on you know where you're seeing this thing track for better and worse. And, you know, and if mm. you were even able to kind of take your, you know, unseminary, uh, you know, <laughs> believing the best for the church hat off and just give the raw and the real, like I, I want, I want the real, you know, like I know some, you've probably consulted with some churches that they, they wanted you to tell them what they wanted you wanted to hear. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I am definitely, uh, like I'm a half three, I'm, I'm a, a, le- a three quarter cup full leader. Like I'm definitely an optimist. And so, and I, I think the same thing about the church. Like I, I do actually think that in times of great adversity, the church shines. And so yes. we are in a time of great adversity and I've seen all kinds of really good signs of, um, 
you know, kind of happening around us, signs of real positive things happening around us. And I, I do think that, that that framework, and people keep saying that, that framework of what we're seeing is accelerated change yes. um, is, is really helpful for us, actually, as we look to the future. Because I think there are changes that we were all experiencing that were kind of part of all of our churches, right. that what's happened and what is happening is... Um, you know, just we're continuing to see that. And so, yeah, there's a couple that I, that jumped to mind. The one that I'm going to start with one that, that you made me not, that I don't hear anybody talking about. And so, um, and this one, you're going to be like, why did I bring this guy on? This is, this was, you're going to cut all of this. Like this is super strange. (laughs) I have no, I have no agenda. Just, I want to talk. So, (laughs) so one of the things that's, uh, so I am the, the son of a, automotive uh, parts manufacturer. So my dad's an engineer. Uh, I grew up in one of those homes that even though I'm Canadian, we grew up in uh, one of those homes, like you got to buy an American car. You remember those homes? Remember people used to say that it was like, you got to buy one of the big three. Um, (laughs) And so we grew up up and down the 401. That's a highway here in, in, in Ontario. That's that basically it's, there's a series of kind of um, car plants that make parts and stuff that all filter down into Detroit. And so the car I found has always been an interesting um, cultural kind of icon. So the, in our little world, in our church world, the car is, um, it's a huge part of what we do. Like people get in vehicles right. and come to our ministries. Um, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, um, if you and I were pastoring, we would have been, you know, it, it, we would have, or even probably more than that, 70 years ago, uh, we would have had to, ch- to, to um, you know, pastor a church that people could walk to, right? It was right. this idea of the parish, yes. the round the corner, people came to those. But then what the car did, the car created the megachurch. If it wasn't for the car, right. there wouldn't be megachurches. People would, would didn't drive past lots of other churches. Right. The car created the non-denominational church because you, you could kind of create your own deal. So the interesting thing is if you, um, there's this uh, driving study that they've been doing over, you know, over the, um, for almost 100 years where they look at the total number of hours that people drive in a car. And that has been consistently going up until What's 2008. It and- What's it called? The study? I've heard it. I've heard it. It's not, it's not Occam's razor. That's the, it's, it, no, I've, no, no, I've, no, oh. no. So this, this study is, let me pull it up here. One second. I will yeah. get you the actual name. Um, oh, shoot. It's uh, so the, the it's the, there's well, there's yes, there's this study is actually a it's a it's a what do you call it? A, like a U.S. government study that looks at the, the amount of you know time that people How spend far? in the car. Oh. And it is from um, I'm just pulling up the actual. I most thought there was one. like a term, a term, though, that it's, it's about like the. Oh, Marchetti's constant. That's it. That's yes. what you're talking about. That's what I'm yeah, talking Marchetti's about. constant. That's yeah. That's related, actually. Okay. So this the study that uh, I'm talking about is it's just the uh, the 12 month rolling average. It's from the the U.S. Federal Highway Administration. Like I talk about how boring this is, this is no, but it's... what it does is it shows that uh, that people kept driving in their cars and that kept going up and up and up until the last until the last recession, 2008, and then we saw it go down. But it didn't. It didn't go back up to where it was before. It didn't. It didn't re-engage. It didn't get as high wow. uh, as it was before, which is what had happened with every other recession before. It continued to go up. Now, I think what we're in the middle of with all of this stuff with people living at home, we're going to see that trend continue. The problem with that for you and I 
is our most of our churches are based on the premise of people getting in their cars and driving over to them. And so this is an I know we've been like excited yeah. about the digital thing. It's really an under it's it's a it's a um a trend that's underneath of that, which is what's happening with people's transportation, their preferences for transportation. And so the difficulty, I think before all of this, I was, I used to say when we, when, you know, it's like when you have one of those weird conversations where you start talking about strange stuff with church leaders, I would always say, Hey, what are we doing in a world where people are driving their cars less? What are we doing? That's encouraging them to get in their cars, to actually come and see us, to right. actually come and be a part of our ministries. And that, that trend is going to continue that, 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 and, and the, the difficulty for you and for me is, you know, we have to, I think, think very carefully about the kinds of in-person experiences we do going forward. Right. I think the, we, we, we are going to be doing digital, you know, that that's an, an assumed piece of the equation, right? We're going to do both digital and in-person, but in-person, I think we have to think very carefully about, because if we don't, if we just go back to what we've always done in the same way that companies are not saying, Hey, why don't you keep driving into the, you know, our, our office anymore. What they're saying is I stay home. That's fine. The same thing, you know, we need to be wrestling through on the, on the, you know, because I do think there is value in in in-person, but it's, I think we're going to see increased pressure on that. And it's going to feel strange for people. I think on the multi-site front, one of the things that this is going to push us towards is actually more campuses rather than less. People are going to look for where, and Marchetti's constant is that other thing you had talked about, which um, that's this even even longer term study that says that people only go historically have only traveled 30 minutes um, uh, to go to work every day. And so as technology has changed, they've moved farther and farther away from work um, so when they could walk, they, they lived closer Then they got on a horse that could go a little bit farther away and they had a buggy that could go even farther away. And then the car is kind of the biggest jump in Marchetti's that right. created the suburbs. Ultimately, all of us would be living in city centers, um, if it wasn't for, um, you know, for, for the vehicle ultimately, which is what Marchetti's constant, you know, drives towards. So, so I, I personally, I think the I think if, if we see a, a continued rapid decline yeah. of the use of the car, um, as a mode of transportation, um, which we were seeing before this, that's going to put pressure on our the footprint of our campuses. Yeah. The idea of like we have a thousand people in a room somewhere with a giant with an ocean of yeah. parking. I mean, he's, you know, right. executive pastor type. I spent yeah. a lot of time thinking about parking. That that stuff um, is, I think. 10 years from now, I think we're going to look back and say, wow, like, I can't believe we ever used to get a thousand people to come into a room. And it's not just going to be the digital thing. It's going to be an, a, a shift in people's, the pattern of how they spend their lives. They yeah. don't want to drive as much as they used to. Yeah, like They're more tuned than they used to. So what you're saying, both those studies really are saying, so the Marchetti's constant thing that people are only willing to drive up to 30 minutes, that's really measuring how fast one can travel. And yes. now we're li- we literally are living through the time where well you can work anywhere now because yep. you, you can I can I can be on a Zoom call in Beijing if I want and we just yep. you know these last several months I mean I, I've been thinking you know what what are the companies that are 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 renting uh, a floor in the the New World Trade Center <laughs> Oh yeah you know that right. they just spent the last 3 months you know paying for Empty. space that they Absolutely. don't need and they're like I'm paying millions of dollars probably a month to occupy yep. this space and so I think I think that was like a, a death blow on how travel and commerce used to function and yep. and now there's not even necessity for I mean, we get, we're starting to get groceries different. 
we're starting to we're, we're uber eating and yes. all that stuff so it's like so but in your own life I'd, l- I'd love to know for you brent like so what, what i've noticed in this kind of more digital age that we've lived over these last few months is i have become way more tightly bound to my house so like yep. even though we're more digital ironically i there's a shopper's drug mart for our canadian listeners they'll know shoppers yes. That's that is walkable distance to me. I don't know. I've gone to that shoppers way more in the last three months than I have in the four years that we've lived here because it was just right there. And so I would just because I was on calls all day, I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to walk over to shoppers and buy whatever, you know, rather than getting in my car and on the way home from work, stopping at the big Loblaws or the big Metro or something like that. I'm I'm tighter to my house. Have you found that, too, that this kind of increased digital that you're it's this weird like I'm more globally connected, but I'm actually my own physical body. I am a lot closer, more. I don't drive my car as much. I'm much tighter to my house. I think those things are happening simultaneously. Like there is that like, okay, now that I live in this nebulous world of internet connection, I think there's a, there's maybe a correlating kickback. And that is, I think making people take maybe more value into that, that plot of land that they own their own home and like to create this space that, okay, this is where I'm going to really live and I'm hunkering down. So it's yep. an interesting thought to take over to the church and how that's going to trade, you know, like I don't think people are going to be as uh, free as frequently travel uh, tra- traveling as frequently in the future mm-hmm. as we used to. I think we'll yep. drive less. I think we'll fly less. I mean, that's the, the mm-hmm. I mean, we see Air Canada just this week are, are yep. they're dumping flights left and right and cutting, yep. cutting, you know, fly. It's, it's crazy. So. Yes. This is happening, and that's the stuff that I, I'm just trying to think through as a church leader. You know, we've 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 got one facility uh, mm-hmm. that you know, and we're we're still trying to process through right now as of the time of this recording. Like, we can we can have some people in the facility, but it's that clunky. Mm-hmm. You can't do kids ministry. You can only get X amount of people in. It's not even a critical mass. Is this even worth it? We're still still really wrestling through all those dynamics. But man, as I look forward. Well, one of the things we're going to be doing is rolling out home home churches, which I think a lot yes. of churches are yep. a lot, even large churches like us are, are thinking through as a, a better long term strategy to kind of run sidecar with online. And then whatever it is that we we figure out for the other sort of midsize or even large venue, um, that yeah. stuff to me is is right now in flux. And I don't totally know yes. where it's going to land. I think cellular community is going to going to be a, a heightened value. And I think mm-hmm. uh, the online kind of being the the thread that, you know, basically is a central component of a church. Like I just said to our lead team this past week, you know, just so it's official, you know, it used to be that Central King's Church was out of the Quispamsis, Kennebecasis Valley location. You, you visited yes. that. It's not. Yep. It's now on the Internet. Like King's Church right. Central is digital now. Yep. And like, right. so everything's just sort of sort of shifting. So. If well, on that, I'd love to ask you a question on that. As you're thinking about how did, how did this, how did, how, did I, how did I get interviewed here? You know, that's, that's when you know, that's when you know the, the, guys the thing that I find interesting about church. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll I'll phrase it as a statement. The thing that's interesting about church online is, um, and I don't know how to say this delicately. So there's going to be some listeners that are listening in that are like, oh gosh, I, I can't believe you just said that. But you know, there's an interesting. Well, I'll use the retail example, and then I'll talk about church. So. I've traveled a lot across, you know, a lot across North America and, you know, I'll go into a community and 
like everywhere I go, people think that where they live is super unique. It's super them. It's like, we're there. We're like snowflakes. We're so right. different. But then when I look at the corner, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a McDonald's with a Home Depot yeah. and a, you know, whatever. And they're, and it's like the same development that just has been banged out all across North America. Um, and the same is true in this, in the church world. Like I can go into churches that are like, oh, we're very different, but then actually when I attend, I'm like, oh, we're singing the same three songs at the beginning yeah. of the service. And we have the same countdown clock as 12 other churches. And and then there's a great communicator gets up and they, they're they not maybe preaching the same message, but it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for years I've been saying to communicators particularly, one of the things that's kind of one of the, the dangers, I think, or, or the – the risks of the multi-site church movement is it can give people this sense of like, Oh, we're going to reach everybody. We're going to reach like across North America. And I, I still think that that's a bad idea. I think, I think a church, a church should be thinking of itself as a regional entity. Mm-hmm. It should be, and the communication should be very regional. Like it's, I think for the most part, most churches, you know, your, your church would be a great example of that Kings should be of the Maritimes, right? It yeah. should, it should feel like your, now I think what's different than a generation before is you, you can you've got a real shot at being like the church of the maritimes like this is you know any anywhere in that kind of cultural milieu um you you can reach now now i think where it becomes difficult is when you you would think like okay i'm also want to reach people in el paso texas where although that could be true you might you know reach some yeah. people i think if we if we tilt our services so culturally that they can reach everybody we won't reach people then in yes. in the maritimes and so the thing that's difficult I find on the or, or the thing that is, I find interesting about the the kind of shift to digital, I think for individual people the question becomes well if I don't have to attend a church digitally that's in my local town yes. why don't I just attend Elevation exactly. or why don't I instead of attending the Elevation knockoff that's around the corner from us or yeah. instead of attending the Willow Creek knockoff that's you know thirty minutes from me I'm just going to listen to Willow like yeah. why why not do that have you found that kind of pressure as a communicator how do you work that out and how's that working in your brain yeah I, I think you're you're asking the exact right question and I think. There's probably two things going on. I, it's probably a mis, it's a mistake for any church or church communicator to say my job is to compete on a with a uh, you know to, to get in that global sphere platform and I'm we're gonna right. we're gonna minister to everyone. I do think God graces certain voices absolutely. like the Stephen oh, yeah, Furtick's, like the TD Jakes that just uh, the yep. Hill songs that just they seem to have a global global print, but. None of those, none of those began that way. They all, right. I think, started with a with a local vision. And I think the only way a church is going to be effective is if it's called to a to a mission field that's that's specific. And I think you have to speak yep. specifically to that mission field. And I, I don't know. I think I think the speaking to the whole earth at one point, you know, at one time is probably too broad of a maybe broad of a <laughs> starting point. So you know, for us at Kings, like like you said, we have a we have a maritime Canadian vision and God's called us to these people. It's one, it's one kind of cultural context over a geographical, you know, a fairly large geographical space, but not that not that much in population. So, you know, I think for me as a communicator, great question. You know, the way I'm thinking about it is more now than ever, I need to speak specifically to what are we in Atlantic Canada feeling with and dealing with and 
you know, that's that's the voice God has given me. If God yep. expands it across the country, which again, yeah, this, perfect. Is, this, is right. a, this is a unique thing. I mean, I've, you know, every week I'll sign a, if we have a new giver or someone who connects to our church, I'll sign a letter and just say thanks. And here's how you can get connected and that kind of stuff. And we, I've signed them from all over the States and all over Canada over this last mm-hmm. handful of months. And so, which this brings up a question I kind of have for you is like, mm-hmm. you know, if we could get, if we could get in the, not the way back machine, but if we get like a flux capacitor and, and hop in, hop in the DeLorean and, uh, I even got some sound effects. Hold on. Let me, let me just, uh, oh, that's, that, that's, that's a tie fighter. <laughs> that's different. That's a Let's hope fighter. we don't end up there. No, no That was actually a long time ago. Don't miss that yes. detail. But, uh, who knows what they're flying now. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, if we could, if we could go to 2030, you know, yep. what, I guess like who, who in the church, like what, if, if, if churches are thinking, okay, somebody in 2030 is going to look like Netflix and someone's going to look like Blockbuster and someone's, Mm. someone is going to be Uber and someone's going to be the taxi company. And it's going to come down to who's, who's, who's like guessing as to hopefully Mm -hmm. it's not guessing. Hopefully, you know, Lord knows we're following the cloud and the fire and and he's leading us. Mm -hmm. But I think God Mm -hmm. actually lets us think about stuff and make decisions a lot more than we're comfortable with sometimes. And, you know, mm-hmm. what are, what are you thinking? Like, so that, that trend, like I said, of there's obviously a migration happening in the church. Um, yep. It is regional, but then again, there's like, you've got people who are just kind of connecting because I identify with that voice or identify with yep. their culture. And I don't necessarily live in that town. You know, that's just one of the many things I feel like is starting to shift. And so like, what are you, if you're pointing this thing at 2030 and you're like, okay, here's, here's the stuff that's going to, going to be left standing. And here's the stuff that I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, chained to at this point. What, what are those things? Yeah. So I think, I think one of the clear, and, and it's interesting that this, we have seen this trend um, come up at the same time as this coronavirus thing. I, I think it's, um, we're going to look back at this year and, and the, the whole area of ethnic diversity yeah. um, is, you know, is a long-term sociological trend um, that it, for years, you know, the world is, you know, the country that you and I serve in, um, you know, our American brothers and sisters, th- those communities are becoming more ethnically diverse. The way I say it to, American friends is, you know, the, the zip, every zip code in America is more ethnically diverse today than it was 10 years ago. And it will be more diverse 10 years, more diverse 10 years from now than it is today. And I think the church, we have to deal with that. And I, I say that as a honky white guy, like Mm -hmm. I, I am slowly sliding into that, like old white guy phase of my life. Um, I, when I was in college, I took a, uh, the only, so one of the ironies of my life is that, you know, I end up talking a lot about church growth and think of a lot about church growth. And I only took, I only remember one lecture from, you know, Bible college times that were on church growth. And it, they taught this thing called the homogeneous unit principle, which I think if you were to get up and teach today, I think people would call it racist, but it, the idea was you you're, you want to build your church on the same type of people. Go and find, you know, a okay. bunch of, you know, so in my case, it would be like remotely, remotely technically interested, people that like Disney stuff, 
white people with kids and and build a church for those people. And I think that model is like outdated and old now. And that will only be the case 10 years from now. When I, when people will look at the churches that will be left behind will be those churches that just reflect a, that are mono ethnic that have Mm. kind of one. um, And, and, and that could be, you know, I think the all, I'll speaking as a white guy, I think the all white guy church thing um, we need to walk away from that actively, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that's something I would say I've had that conviction, and have and but and we and have tried to and I've tried to work towards what are we doing to make our church more diverse, but I would say my conviction on that is higher now than it has ever been. What do we need to do to um, you know help really push that and change that for the future? I don't know that I just as a leader. Um, I, I think I led for the first half of my ministry career, not realizing some of the privileges that I had as a guy and as right. a white guy that, um, that I, I think I need to, as one of those people go out of my way now to figure out what can I do, you know, to help others. I'll, I'll give you an example early on in my ministry career. Um, this was 20 years ago. Um, I was at the meeting house, a great church in the Toronto area, and we were just just getting into multi-site and I knew that Willow Creek was doing something around this. And, but I, I, I didn't know what they were doing, but I had heard, this was like the internet was out there, but it was like proto internet. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like blogs and all that stuff. And I had heard that they did something. So I literally picked up the phone and like dialed information in Chicago and said like, Hey, can I get the Willow Creek church phone number? I called up and I, the person who answered the phone, I said, I know you're doing something around like multiple locations. Can I, talked to that person and ended up getting connected with a guy with the name of Jim Tomberlin, who this to yeah. this day is one of my best friends. Jim's a great guy. Um, and he, I asked this crazy question at the time. I said, Jim, I would love to come and spend a week with you. I, I, I just want to follow you around for a week. I don't, you don't need to even meet with me. I'll just like go to your meetings. I'll sit in the back. I want to like write notes and just kind of see your operation and he was like, yeah, that's fine. You can come and, and do that. That's that's fine. That's a little crazy. If you want to come here and do that, that's fine. He spent the week. When I look back over my ministry career, that week was a pivotal week in my ministry wow. because I, the relationships I developed that week and the uh, my confidence around what I think God was leading our church to and um, even just my whole, like ironically, the like the podcast and all that stuff came out of the like, if you ask church leaders what's happening they will tell you and yeah. you can learn from that right. now it, now now the part it for years it never dawned on me it it was like a whole category of questions that i never understood that as a guy um i had a privilege there that female leaders didn't have right cuz i think if if i right. was a, if if i was a female leader and i would have called jim up and i don't know i've never yeah. actually asked jim this question point blank but my assumption is if if i would have called up and as a female leader and said hey can i come spend a week with you that would have been received a little bit stranger yeah. jim and i at that end, that week ended up at his house we were hanging out we spent all kinds of time together and 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 leadership my experience with leadership that my my greatest leadership growth has always happened in those relational edges they've always happened when it's not in like some seminar it's not in even listening to something like this it's it's in the like hey we're going out for yeah. dinner somewhere we're and and so the, my my question my increasing question is how do i bring a 
a, a, a more diverse group of young leaders around me? How do I invest in them? How do I find ways that's appropriate and all that to bring you know more women in from a leadership point of view? Um, so uh, to me, I think when I look back, when you think about the, the blockbuster Netflix issue, yeah. Um, I, I think the diversity thing is a huge issue. I think for all of us, we all have to wrestle with that, and it's complex yeah. because a lot of what we've done, if we can be, if we're, if we're truthful, a lot of what we've done is create cultural generation machines, yeah. not necessarily gospel driving, you know, institutions yeah. or gospel kind of communities. It's been more about like, you know, and 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 I've been guilty of that. Like, I, you know, I've often joked. I'm like. I, like when I die, I hope Bono's leading worship like that. Right. I am that generation, right? Yeah. I went to uh, two years ago. I went to that uh, concert where they, they redid the Joshua tree album for the whole thing. Yes. And I was like, Oh, I am a statistic. I, I literally, it was me and everyone else like me. It was yeah. literally, it was at the sky dome, 75,000 white, white middle age <laughs> white guys. Yeah all loving it right yeah. and i was like this but but for years that was my perception of like oh that is that is the highest cultural expression you know you could have yes that's just not true right it's, that's just you know that's no nowhere true so it's interesting this uh, is in front of us right now like it's i mean this is yeah. it's it's obvious that this is happening and i think the church is being forced to deal with it and and step one is exactly what you're saying it's it's old white guys like us who have been in a certain you know, uh, this certain level of ignorance even about our own biases or just like presumptions and uh, it, it, like privilege, I guess. Yes, is the word. Yep. And we just operate within that framework and haven't had to actually think outside of that really objectively until now. You know, I, I literally just finished preaching uh, this weekend sermon before we, we jumped on this this conversation and like I did a whole, I usually steer clear of this, but I did a whole, like I talked about the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings okay, yes. and my, my, one of our pastors here, Bradford, he's, he doesn't have the same skin color as me. And he's just looking at me like, bro, what are you talking about? What are you talking <laughs> about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, no, absolutely. Well, and I think those are all good examples. I think, and you're, you know, the thing I, one of the things I appreciate about you is you're an open communicator and you'd be open to that kind of feedback and take that. But we need those kind of filters yeah. in our communication. We had, we had a similar thing with, Tim Lucas at Liquid Church, he, he's really good at getting feedback. And this is an example I've used with other people. We were once we were working. This is before he went out and preached. Like on a Thursday night, he they do this thing called the uh, Thursday Night Gospel Hour, and he, he was telling this example, this story where he said, you know, um, he was telling talking about taking his kids to Pottery Barn, um, and like, hey, it was so great going to Pottery Barn, and like, and 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 we, you know, we had to like time out and say, Tim, yeah. like you, that is such a like that is not even within kind of honky culture is it's that a niche. subculture, but it's like a niche kind of thing. And I know that we will have, we, you know, a whole bunch of people that will just disconnect and the whole, they will miss the point of the story because they're thinking my pastor, my pastor takes his kids to Pottery Barn to buy toys. Like what? Like that's, right. that is like, I could, you know, I could never afford that. And so, um, how, you know, I think that's, we have to work. It's at that kind of granular level. We've got to work. Uh, to to ensure that we're doing every, everything we can and to listen and it's man, so much there and and I feel like I love the Andy Stanley question what do you do when you realize you're the most powerful person in the room and I have had a multiple actually this year I've had more of those kind of experiences where I literally was like oh like I'm the one that actually gets to choose right now like right. I, I'm the one that that has that opportunity 
And, um, I, you know, I, I, with uh, great kind of care, go to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, hey, yeah. what, what, is, what is it you want to do in this moment? Um, yeah, to me, that's a huge issue. I think you're hitting on a, a big theme, though, in, in this whole, like, what's happening right now, the 2020 to 2030 continuum, yep. is that it, the same way that time feels like it's slowing down, it's actually speeding up. And in the same way that it feels like we've never been growing further apart as far as mm-hmm. isolation and you know physical distancing and all that, it's actually causing humanity to have to come together in certain ways. I mean, mm-hmm. you even think through like some of the older models, and and I'm not going to be one to get up to to get on a soapbox and say you know how, how stupid was that? Things are effective in their time, and 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 it is what it is. But you think of some of the old models of even you know on one mega church campus having. You know, in one auditorium, we have contemporary and then another auditorium you have blended. And then you have in the chapel, you have where the seniors can go and they can enjoy it their way. You wonder if the church isn't in in 10 years going to just be beyond that. Sure. That that whole that it goes further than just like the like hopefully it'll go further than just the obvious divisions between you know, socioeconomic and racial divides, but that generational, like that, the God is, God is building a church that is unified. And, and that means, uh, you know, we have to come further than, you know, I need, I need Bono leading worship or I need, I need, uh, you know, whoever Christopher Cross or some, some other person that's, uh, it's an old white guy. song. Yeah. I, I, so I agree. I, I think there is that, how do we, inculcate in the next generation this idea that it's not about them and you know that how do we um and i'm a gen xer i'm solidly gen x born in 1974 i'm the bottom of the 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 you know they talk about boom bust echo i'm literally the like 1974 is the lowest birth rate of this of the 20th century it was so i'm like i am classic gen x and so no one like so what that means is there is nothing targeted at me like through my whole life there has never been like you know like i'm like the you know the you know, I, I don't know what it feels like to be the like the desired economic uh, engine. But I, what I do know is I was taught, I think consumer culture taught us to, um, you know, we want to have what we want and it needs to be for us and it needs to make me feel great. And so and that that is like the opposite of what Jesus calls us to. Right. right. Jesus calls us to live other centered lives like he, he calls us to reorient our lives around other people and, and, and their needs and put their needs ahead of ours. And and so even in this whole area of worship, I you know, and I've, I've been joking about this for 10 years. I keep saying to the worship guys, if I like it, that's a problem. Like we, we it needs to grate on me. There mm-hmm. needs to be some part of this that's like. I don't know. Like this, this just doesn't sound great yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and I think we all need to be in that, um, that spot. You know, there's another, there's another cultural thing that I've wondered about that I've, and it's a, like a little bit on that acceleration thing that I've like seen this accelerating. And I wonder if it's going to speed up. Yeah. Like when I started in, in ministry, um, which it sounds like, you know, it's like such an old guy thing to say, but it's true. When I started in ministry, the first church I served in, we are what I would say our commitment model. What we what we were saying to people that they had to do, um, we would say, come to Sunday morning service, yep. um, and then go home. Well, go to Swiss Chalet and go for that, and then and then get changed, and then come back Sunday night. So that's yep. two things. We'd say come back for for a different Sunday night mm-hmm. service, 
And then we would say, um, well, you've got to do some sort of small group. You were in some sort of small group. But then you'd come back for um, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, And then you would also be volunteering on some team. So you had maybe five or maybe as many as six kind of things that you were committed to. Right where that really has collapsed com- con- considerably, right? Like the, the Sunday evening service, the Wednesday night prayer service, for the most part, those kinds of things yes. ha- have gone out yeah. of our, our models. Um, and you know, like even, even Willow, we talked about them earlier, right? Like they, they had the idea of the midweek service. That was like such an innovation, right? Like in the, oh, we're going to have these two different styles of service. Mm-hmm. All of that's gone. Yeah. You know, I, I think there is a, sh- well, there, I don't think, there definitely is a shift between, people wanting access and not ownership. Right. So people want, and you, you mentioned it, Netflix, people used to uh, like have DVD collections, right? right? They used to like, you know, you, you would, you would like prove mm-hmm. your nerddom by the piles of DVDs right. you had in your house. Well, that's all gone right now. You just pay Netflix, whatever it is, 1399 a month yep. and you get access to them. Um, you know, music is a strange thing, right? Like you used to collect music and now, you know, I've got an Amazon Alexa. She's going to talk to me in a second here. And, yeah. you know, when you, I just call out to her and somehow yeah. music comes into my house. Crazy. I don't, I've never, it has not felt like to me that I have bought that music right. either. It hasn't felt like there's, it's just somehow I have access to it. Yeah. I think that is going to, or is shaping you know, even the idea of membership, like there, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole like how, like, do people really, really want to be members anymore? Yeah. Like, yeah. is that a thing? And how does that, how, how, and I, there's a little bit of, I think there's questions in this area yeah. more. I've definitely have more I've questions than I've got answers. I, I think that is changing the way people think about church it because is happening. You know, we're not, we're not. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so, so my question for you would be, cause I think that's happening. And you fight it or fund it, right? Like with every, it, it, we can either view it as a strength or a weakness, but it's both. And so, how do we, yeah. if if access instead of ownership, and uh, you know, like the idea of membership is going to be a little more foreign in the future, then how do we call people to to selflessness and care? What what opportunities are in here when it, when it you know comes to following Jesus? Because I, I refuse to believe that there's not some kind of cruciform you know, vision, even within the, the, the age of subscription, subscription based association, you know, and yep. I'm not, I'm not saying that I think we're going to need to subscribe to church, but what, what does, <laughs> what, I guess, what does subscription, what does that tell us about people and what's the call I think need to be to the Christ follower and what, what does the church need to do uh, in, in, in light of that? Yeah. So I, I do think that there's something around, we, we for sure have seen a shift in the last 10 years towards um, much stronger discipleship models that put service, getting involved, actually doing something in the church earlier in the kind of process of people getting connected to the church. So the idea of you can belong before you necessarily believe, where again, it was not strange when I started in ministry that it was like, you had to have been in the church for a year before you could even take the membership class. And that process was X number of months long right. um, where, where now I, I do think the opportunity um, is to say to people like you arrived this weekend. Great. Why don't you join us in the mission next weekend? And here is your piece of the puzzle that you can do as a brand new person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're fully engaged. Like I, cause I think a part of what the access, not ownership 
um, kind of shifting culture, what that has meant is I get everything right from the beginning. Right. And so I think what we've got to do is accelerate the way we help people get connected. We don't hold back with connection. We actually say, hey, we'd love for you to get plugged in. Now, that I think that's going to mean, you know, that does, I don't think, that means more messy models, right? You get to like, okay, so yeah, what do you do with insert X, Y, whatever the, whatever the sin is that freaks you out, yes. what do you do when that person wants to, you know, wants to start serving next weekend? Yeah. I, I think it actually ironically goes back to more of what the um, you know the New Testament church was yeah, was like. You know, yeah. Paul was consistently like we see all that stuff that Paul was preaching against because yeah. there was bad things happening in the church. Right. Like, you know, he was having to say, "Oh no, no, just guys. Okay, l- let me explain yeah. to you again. Okay, the, yes, the gospel does give you total freedom, but if you could please not sleep with your mom." Yeah. That would be great. Now bring now, out the communion elements, you know. Like, yes. Right. You're going to serve communion. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so yeah. I, I think there, there is, I, like I've often thought that when I read all of that stuff by Paul, I'm yeah. like, I don't think I preach or teach or proclaim a gospel that is so big good. enough yeah. to create all the mess that it creates in the New Testament, yeah. right? Like the, the 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 gospel fully understood, I do think, leaves someone with saying, oh, so that means I can do anything? And you're like, well, yeah. you're totally free in Christ. Yes, that is true. He wants to change everything about that. He wants to radically change everything about who you are. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think there's an opportunity in there where we used to... Um, you know, we got talking about this, uh, my wife and I got, we're reading through uh, the New Testament right now. We got talking about the Pharisees and, um, and, you know, like, I I feel like it's like the Pharisees, every time Jesus takes on the Pharisees, I feel like, oh, he's taking on a bit of me. Like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's, that's me because they, we look at them now as they were like, and you know, this, you know, we look at them now as like, oh, they're like these bad guys, but that wasn't the case. They were the back to the Bible movement. They had really big hearts and they were like, I just want to make it more accessible. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to make up these other rules. We're going to give you these other hoops to jump through and when you jump through those hoops, that'll, that'll guarantee you that right. you're not, um, you know, you're not going to break the law. And I'm like, that sounds a lot like our churches, right? We, we yeah. can do that with people where we're like, well, why don't you just sit for a while mm-hmm. and then just sit in our teaching and then eventually you'll get a chance to serve yeah. where I, I think we've got to turn that upside down. And we're seeing that. There's lots of examples of churches yep. that are saying, hey, you're, you're here. Why don't you jump in and serve right away? We want to find a spot for you to plug into the mission. Yeah. And we got to trust. I mean, that, that is the, that the word access is the gospel. I mean, that's yes. Jesus. Yes, Jesus true. came to give us access to his glory, eternal life, all of it. And, and he paid the subscription. Um, yep. And I think the, the thing it's, it's, su- it's such a good point, Rich. And just this idea though, of like, I think as church, we have to be willing to, to trust the power of grace and risk the mess like it's just it's too hard to control because oh, well is so and so going to be allowed to do this and this and it, it, all the the criteria that we place uh, it it just it just that blows it up the moment you just say no you actually you can come and be part of this community no matter who you are and what you've done and and what you're into you know and I think we can we need to figure out a way to let grace be as wild and scandalous and difficult to control as it actually is and. And realize that doesn't negate the truth like that, that the scripture no. says. And, and yet, I think the mistake the church has probably made in the past, and maybe the, this is a season where God's bringing us a step further out of that, 
where we lead with, here's what, yeah, here's what you need to do to be part of this community. And you need to figure this out until you can get in X amount deep. So that's a, that's a well, huge and, thing. And there was a bunch of that. And I'm sure you've traveled, we haven't talked about this, but I'm sure you've traveled internationally. And one of the things that's weird I have found about, and man, I'm, I might get you some hate email for this. Um, I've had, but I've when had you, when you travel time, to um, like, I'll call it like a heavily missionized, like a place where there's been like a real missions movement. Yep. It's, it's weird to go into, I had this experience in a couple places in Africa where yep. it was like a real honor to go to this, this service. Like I, like I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. But, but I would go to the service and I was unsettled and, and sad. Cause I'm like, Oh, this looks like Wheaton, Illinois. Like this, mm-hmm. someone showed up and told these people 50 years ago yep. that this is what church is. Yep. And, and what it was, was a, a particular cultural expression. Yep. Um, and, and so it was like, wear this kind of suit and like, look like this. And that, that was, and, and I'm afraid that I've been a part of that, right? It's like, yep. Oh gosh, I'm hope I'm not doing that. Like, I'm hope that's, that's, I don't want to get people, you know, it's that friend, our mutual friend, Carrie Newhoff says like yeah. the saddest thing that can happen to someone is when they come to our church and all they find is us, you know, they, yes. you know, they, yeah. they, there's all they found is like, oh, these are a bunch of human ideas or a bunch of human cultural kind of trends. And so, yeah, um, it's yeah huge. It's, it's, I saw that in like, Haiti, you know, and we have a partner church there that we're involved with. And like when I was there, you know, there was, there was a lot of it, it, it it mirrored a lot of the my grandparents' church, to be quite frank, yeah. and like the legalism, and you know, it, I, I felt honestly like this untethered liberal that just doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't care about anything, um, yes, right. which isn't the truth. But yes. I, so that I mean, we'll bring it in for a landing here in a minute, Rich. But I think I think we're getting on to again, just like like where some of this is going. And the biggest thing, I think we just struck the, 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 the nerve that's probably closest to God's heart. And that is, you know, if, if the church can't let go of some of the old forms, uh, mm. you know, to, to carry the heart of the law instead of the, the form of it moving forward. And we don't, we don't get ourselves in this posture where we're just able to, we're able to reshape and take a, take a new shape for a new time. I think we're going to go, we're going to sink and we're going to go down with these times. We're not going to, you know, those churches aren't going to make it to 2030. Um, the church will, the church of Jesus Christ will, he's everlasting and ultimately adapting. But, you know, you did a, you did a post on unseminary or it was on your podcast. Uh, I thought it was awesome where you, you talked about like sort of five opportunities for multi-site churches moving forward, you know, not to rehash that. If you haven't checked it out, if your church leader watching, like go check it out on, 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 on seminary.com. But what are some of the things that you're saying? Like, Hey, let's, let's not be all doom and gloom here. The reality is the writings on the wall. I think there are organizations, churches, businesses like COVID seems to really target bodies and businesses and churches and denominations that have pre-existing underlying conditions. And yes. that's just, that's how it's rolling. What are the opportunities? What are the opportunities kind of coming into these next years? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a ton of opportunities and I think that's true. I, the, one of the things that has struck me, I, I was, um, you know, I would say I was fairly scared in March, April. I was like, Oh yeah. my goodness. Like, and I was scared for friends like you yeah. who work in, in lead local churches. I was like, man, but 
what's going to happen here. And then as I, you know, was just engaging with people, I, I kept thinking that this was the exception that I, like I would talk to someone like you and, and I would be like, Oh, well actually they're doing quite well. Like, yeah. and then I would talk to and I was like, well, they must be the exception. And then I would talk to another. And, and what I found was exactly to your point, churches that went into this, this period were quite strong. Um, yes, it's been a tough season, but it's, it, 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 it's not like it's been like obliterating. It's like, right. Oh, actually this has helped them accelerate. Yeah. I think some of the, the two things that I think are huge opportunities for us in the season c- coming out of this one is I think if you're a church leader listening in or a business leader listening in this, you've been given a window to try some crazy things. Right. You, you have been given a window that, that literally, and you can blame it on COVID. Like, and and you're seeing this in businesses across mm-hmm. the, you know, across the globe, where you know you can say like, oh, we're going to do this thing now, and it's in response to COVID, and everyone will be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, um, and 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 actually try a few things, and I've, and so like one of the things I was saying to for years, the mul- lots of multi-site churches have tried, and I didn't actually write about this in that blog post, have tried to do kind of video-driven worship experiences, mm-hmm. have tried to do like. Well, what if we had, and like lots of churches have done it. Willow's done it. Granger did it. North Point tried it. And it was like, was not working, was not working. It was hard to, to try. Now I've heard of a few churches in this season that in, as they launch new campuses, they're doing like, they're basically broadcasting in their video of their worship experience within a few singers locally. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems to be sticking like, oh, that seems to have a new resonance to it. Wow. Now, I, there was a leader I was uh, this was oh, this was probably in April, um, a church that I've done some work with. We were texting back and forth. And it's like, I think we're going to try this thing. What do you think? And I'm like, try it like you've got a window. So the big idea for you as, as a leader is you might have had that idea floating in the back of your head right. that you were like, I wonder if we should try this thing. I would say go ahead and try it. Now's a great season to, to give it a whirl. And I think the other side of it, to be honest, is uh, the other opportunity that we all need to look really carefully at is um, I, I was listening recently to an interview with the Delta Airlines CEOs, fascinating yeah. interview around kind of all the things that they're dealing with. And he said something that I was like, oh, I need to listen to that carefully. He said, you know, one of the things that they've that their conviction on is they they look at the travel that was happening pre March 2020 and they think there might have been as much as 20% of business travel was extraneous and unneeded yeah. that it was like businesses should not have been doing that travel mm-hmm. and he's like our business was based on those our margins were based on our, our, our customers traveling when they really didn't need to mm-hmm. now we can bemoan that and be like oh i can't believe that they're not unnecessarily right. traveling anymore, yeah, or we this. can just adjust our business and say, you know what, we, if we really are customer centric, we should be saying to our customers, don't travel unless you have to. And when you have to, we're here for the, for you. We're right. going to do the best thing possible. And I think on the, the church exa- the example of that is, I think we probably have some programs that are frankly costing us mission energy they're costing us money that we should just shut down in this season Mm -hmm. that we should use this as an opportunity to get rid of um they're 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 extraneous they're not pushing us forward if we're honest as leaders we we like to think that everything we do pushes the mission forward but that's just not the case you know that isn't the case at all and so i think we've got to get um, we could use this season particularly, and it, it's going to go away. There, will, that window will close, and you, you'll no longer be able to kind of either innovate or cut stuff um, w- with the kind of you know ease that you can now. Yeah. And so I wouldn't lose that um, you know opportunity. I, I would say an area that I'm concerned about that I that I haven't seen any of us nail um, 
and and it's uh i've blogged about it and got taken some you know heat for it but the 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 di- church online has never been a family experience. Church online right. is primarily a individuals yeah. sitting on a computer watching the screen. And it's, and, and you, I don't know if you've seen this in your own house, but like in our house, that is what ends up happening on a Sunday morning is like, yeah. I'm in one room, my wife's in another room, yep. you know, my kids will be somewhere else. And like, we try to pull everybody together, but it doesn't actually lend itself to that. They actually, it's actually a better experience if we're all by ourselves and my kids are older and, you know, and that's all fine. But like the, the church, we have to be as senior leaders have to be super concerned about passing the message on to the next generation. Yeah. And I've yet, there are lots of people innovating on the, the, the kids side in, in this era, but I haven't seen anybody nail it. There's not a like, okay, this, this is a reliable way for us to actually minister to kids. And, and I think, one of my before all this, I would have said one of my convictions is when you read the statistics in our communities around what does it mean to be a family, yep. that oftentimes what we proje- project as family is different than what is actually family in our community. So right. in lots of places in, in um, so using American statistics, there are more kids born to unwed moms now than to wed moms oh, wow. um, in America. That's been the case since 2015. That has been a long-term trend that has continued. When I look at, when I stand at our kids' check-in, I see a ton of two-parent families show up mm-hmm. and drop their kids off. We don't reflect our community, right? right. We don't reflect the, the communities that we serve. Um, I, 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 I'm concerned that if we don't nail that one going forward, right. this would be, I think, one of the biggest reasons why we've got to all figure out how to do in-person again yeah. because because of the, the kids' ministry side of it. I, I, in fact, I think it's it's more important than the the public teaching piece, the worship piece, it's it, getting kids back together to be able to communicate with them is an important long-term issue. And, and although there's been some good stuff in the season because it's kind of shifted to parents, which I think is a positive thing. Yep. Um, it, we, we, uh, we just have to continue to be concerned they need, about it. I mean, those kids need that. They need the, you know, cause we've done that. We've, we've provided, the materials, like even, even that we have drop spots that you can, you can pick them up as a parent and, and, you know, walk your kid through the resources. Yep. And that's a good thing. I mean, we've got parents who are discipling their kids now that weren't before what well, we were. Right? right. So that's, yes. that's a win. But on the other hand, you know, as a parent of three kids that, you know, we've been fumbling along with that and it's been great to be able to have those conversations with my kids, but that's different than my sons or my daughter you know, being in a worship context with other children, experiencing God together at their pace without mom and dad watching even, right? They need that freedom yep. too. So I totally agree with you. I, I don't think, you know, like just like the Delta guy is talking about, I, I wonder if there's probably in this Corona season for the church, there's probably 20, 30, maybe 40% of some of the things we used to do that might might have been unnecessary and just built up, yeah, calcified absolutely. over time. Uh, yep. But the reality is the gathering, the gathering is, is here to stay. If I believe my Bible, you know, like, like the revelation right. seven picture, like there's, it just, it might just take different shape and different scale, but we mm-hmm. do need to fight and figure out those ways to, to kind of get back together. Well, so what do you say, Rich, uh, just in, in kind of coming to a close and man, I could, I could talk to you all day. I know <laughs> got things, things going on and, and, and people to see and, lawns to mow and all that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. but, uh, what, what would you say? So, you know, I, I got 
my people from church that pay attention to this, uh, you know, but the odd church leader, especially in Atlanta, Canada, might might be hearing this. You know, what would you say, you know, if you're looking at the next 10 years and you want to, you kind of want to be in that next Netflix position of we saw the future, how would you encourage that church that maybe they're, uh, you know, asking the same questions we all are about, you know, what, what do we do and, and how do we approach this next sort of season to come out for the better and not go down yeah. with it? Well, I really do. Like I said, I'm a three quarters full cup kind of guy. I really, I really do think that the best is yet to come, but this could be the encouragement I would give to leaders that are listening in. Um, and it ties into what we were just talking about there. Um, this season has accelerated the value of innovation and we all we need leaders who are willing to say i've got this crazy idea let's try it and i can say one of the early on i know multi-site today feels like it's just like standard church it's like the normal thing to do but i can tell you i was there when i only knew 12 other churches in north america and i couldn't believe there were 12 that were doing it and it was a crazy idea right, right? it was a, like we're we're going to put teaching on video in public auditoriums and get people to come and see it that was like a wildly crazy idea right. we need that kind of innovation in the in this season right we need leaders so if you're listening in and you're thinking like i wonder if our church could try this or or to that exact other question you know there's some stuff it might be yourself saying you know i've been leading this part of our ministry i just want to raise a hand and say i think we should get rid of it i think if right. we drop this thing it would have zero impact um, that would be a gutsy move and you would be celebrated. I, I know Brent, he would celebrate that. Um, but I would encourage you to be, to, to, to lean in and say, Hey, what is that little thing that might be floating around in your brain that you could say, Hmm, maybe this is the season for us to try that. Um, because I, I, I do think we're in a rare season to be able to do that. Yeah. And, um, to, you know, to try something new and, and we're going to see that as we, cause I would agree with you. I'm like, a we are going to, you know, get back to in-person services. That's going to be a piece of the puzzle. Um, that is, I, you know, I, I'm not a like, I don't think we can get rid of all our buildings, um, but I do think it's going to look different. It's going to have a different flavor to it. And we, yeah, and, and it, just because there's a person that was in leadership, um, you know, six months ago, doesn't mean that they have the right ideas. Actually, I've got a blog post that's coming out in a couple of weeks called uh, Church uh, COVID-19 Killed Church Consulting, Long Live Strategic Outsiders. And one of the things I realized yes. as a person who does that, who is like a church coach, is there was a part of what I used to sell before March 15th that yeah. was like, hey, let me tell you about what we did 10 years ago, where that's completely irrelevant now. Right. Like that doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, it it's only about in encouraging innovation and doing this kind of thing, networking leaders together and and being a wise voice to say like, hey, well, let's let's ask these four other questions. That's where the real value is. And so in some ways, it's like a great opportunity for leaders to step up and say, hey, I'd love to lead yeah. uh, in this season and help push us forward. Yeah, well, I can't recommend the, you as a strategic outsider more my friend so i appreciate your voice and your insight and uh man thanks thanks a ton for uh taking the time today and and being on my pod and uh yeah and if you haven't checked out rich's stuff go check him out unseminary.com correct uh, yep that's right that's the place to send them thank you so much it's I, been so great being here brent i found you before i knew that you were connected with carrie at all i was, I was an unsemin <laughs> i've been on the unseminary bandwagon for a long time man you're you're helping a lot of people so appreciate thank it man you so thank you
Thanks for joining us today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rich Birch. If you haven't already, why don't you take a minute and go and check him out at unseminary.com. Check out his podcast. Make sure you subscribe. It's a great, great podcast. I listen to it every single week. And if you haven't already, why don't you subscribe to mine while you're at it? Go to the Speaking Up podcast wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate it, share it. Let as many people know about us as possible. Thanks again.